hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. Online about technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech episode number 98. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au for all your networking and home uh, connectivity, netgear.com.au. Joining me, Trevor Long, each and every week from techguide.com.au is Stephen Fennick. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. How are you going? Bloody well. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you're new to the show, basically this is a 30-minute wrap-up of technology in this week and a great place to go to understand all the stories we're talking about is techguide.com.au. We'll, we'll lead you through each story that is on Tech Guide or uh, that we've heard about during the week right here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Now, I love the fact that some mobile phones are eagerly anticipated. Uh, I, I think in the tech world, every phone is, leg, uh, is eagerly anticipated just because people love seeing new phones. But LG have a, a pretty much a flagship phone, the Optimus G. Uh, it's called. It's a 4.7-inch screen. It's, it's actually a really sleek-looking device, very thin edge-to-edge screen on the front, uh, you know, very flat back with a kind of nice look like the Nexus uh, phone that they built for Google. It's a really nice phone. Uh, and uh, we got word this week, mate, that it was coming in March through Telstra. That's right, yeah. I actually got a chance to have a little bit of a little bit of a play with this device uh, while we're at CES. It's actually out in the US, Trevor. Mm. We're a little we're a little bit late to the party with LG with this device. Um, they've actually called it a super phone, not a smartphone, oh. a super phone. Do you remember so that at CES? Uh, quad core processor, one point five gigahertz quad core processor, running Android four point one. Uh, but the screen is a high-definition screen. It looks terrific. And I only found this out, too, at CES, that LG... Did you know LG manufacture a lot of the iPhone screens? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a component thing. I think yeah, I, think so I did they know. They OEM that for Apple, mm-hmm. and the screen on this device is pretty impressive as well. I mm. think it actually has a higher pixel per inch density, whatever we call that, uh, than the iPhone 5. So this is, uh, and it's a really nice sized device too. It's like not too big, like the the Galaxy Note two. I like it's a big phone, not suitable for everyone. This is a good sized phone, similar to the Galaxy S three, hmm. uh, but it is sort of really central to LG's plans for this year because LG's theme at CES was that whole sort of get in touch with the smart life, yeah, yeah. and they've got a lot of one touch NFC type solutions that they're going to be rolling out in twenty thirteen. And this is going to play a pretty crucial role, I think. It's interesting because of the 4.7-inch screen. As you said, it's very similar to the Galaxy S3. And even the Note, which you'll talk about later in the show with your review, um, there is really an interesting trend here uh, at a consumer level towards these bigger devices. And I think that possibly, and we digress a little bit here from the LG Optimus G, but 
this this could trouble Apple, and it is something that is interesting around the the smartphone space. Should Apple be diversifying into multiple sizes and multiple ranges of iPhone? Yep. Because there is a demand for these bigger phones. People are saying Absolutely. it's actually yeah, easier well, to browse well, the web. The rumor of the week for Apple, anyway, is that there there is going to be a four point eight inch iPhone mm-hmm. in twenty thirteen. That, that's a there's a rumor every minute yeah. about Apple, but that's one of the latest ones. It just when you when you st- when you sit the iPhone five next to these other devices. And I did that, if you look at my Galaxy Note 2 review Hmm. on Tech Guide, the iPhone 5 looks miniature next to these big devices. Now, the Galaxy S3 proved that people are willing to carry around a bigger device, a 4.8-inch screen, I think it is, on the Galaxy S3, and that's, that's going through the roof, that phone. Hmm. Uh, the Galaxy Note 2, which we'll talk about later, 5.5-inch screen. So there is definitely a market. Everyone else is moving up uh, and moving on with their bigger screens, and it seems Apple being left behind. But I'm hoping, I would love an, an iPhone with a big screen like that. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that they have to take care of, though, is to make sure that the apps that w- will scale up to that larger screen, just like they did with the iPad mini, in fact, will scale down to the iPad mini. But uh, you know, I think it's something Apple are definitely going to be looking at because they look like they're getting left behind. Before we move on, I just think on that, we'll have to analyse this over the coming weeks and months because really for Apple to go away, you remember the iPad mini was a controversy because they said they'd never do it in, in kind of internal memos and things, but they've actually publicly bagged the bigger screens through their advertising that whole one thumb touch yeah. you know there's a lot lot going on there that um that makes it an interesting play for them even to consider it i actually think if i'm to put a prediction in the water right now i actually think what they'll do is come out with a uh, a variant of the 4s you know like a call it another name just a bucket load cheaper because they they need to start addressing the the price issue there are a lot of people buying smartphones at a lower price. I'm not talking Kogan here. I'm talking just, you know, the range of phones between a Kogan and a Samsung Galaxy is high, mm-hmm. and Apple need to make sure they keep market share yeah, for, no, for the operating I, I, system. That, I've read that too, that, that they need kind of like an entry level, almost mm. like a prepaid type phone, like yeah. at the, say, maybe the four or $500 mark, because I yeah. think the cheapest iPhone is eight or $799, yeah. which yeah. Is, is quite expensive. Yeah. But um, I think going the other way, the, if they do release a larger screen phone, I think they'll call it something completely different. It'll be the iPhone HD or something like that to distinguish it from the numbered models. You know, they'll go 5, 5S, maybe 6, but there'll be like the iPhone HD, like the big, the bigger version hmm. of the device. Um, but again, you've got to ask the question, will that then cut into the iPad mini sort of yeah. area where they've got a 7.9-inch screen? You know, how many are they going to go at every increment like Samsung? I think got a device at every every size. They've got five, mm. four, five, seven, eight, nine. You know, it's yeah. uh, is that what Apple are going to do? I'm not sure. I can't believe it is. But if you want more information about the LG Optimus G, which is coming to Telstra in March, go to techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, we've all heard of the website Kickstarter, um, and for those who haven't, a brief explanation. Kickstarter is a site that a lot of companies who are developing products or services or apps and things like that, they list their product on Kickstarter to see if they've got a market for that product. So, for example, they'll put up a a prototype of a product saying they need uh, X as their target to take that device or product into production and then backers then uh, invest their money to get that product from prototype to production. 
So it's a good way for them to test the waters to see if there is actually going to be a demand for their product. Mm. So with that in mind, uh, I just want to explain a story that kind of came to me. Uh, It's about a device by a company called Sire. It's a a Bluetooth iPod Nano smartwatch. Now, you remember the iPod Nano, uh, the previous model, not the latest model with Bluetooth built in, the square model that people were wearing as watches? Yeah. This is uh, it, this device has been uh, aimed at that iPod Nano. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the one of the re- a reader of mine contacted me today to say, "Well, look, this product I I, I wrote about it six months ago." This reader said, "Look, I, I found out about it through your website, and I liked it so much, I became one of the backers." So he was one of thirteen hundred backers to raise more than one hundred and thirty three thousand dollars to take this product from prototype to production. Now, long story short, the final version of this product, the Sire Bluetooth Na- iPod Nano Watch, has been. Uh, revealed, and it looks nothing like the original design. So customers are up in arms, demanding a refund because the the product they invested in doesn't look anything like the final product. And and, and well, I I would argue it's it's not uh, completely different. There's just one big difference, which is the top of the watch. You know, where the I guess the the the, the twelve hand would be if it was a real watch, just has this huge thing sticking out There's of it. And when I say huge, Bluetooth dongle sitting. There. I mean, it's a centimeter, but a centimeter on a watch is a huge piece of real estate. So it's a big design change for them to have because essentially what they showed in Kickstarter was just a a rubber casing for an iPod Nano. It didn't yeah, have with the a technology very small in it. Bluetooth chip on top. Mm. So it's, it's all changed. If you if you read uh, this this the the reader who contacted me sort of made me aware of it. He uh, he sent me the link to the comment page for the product, and people are, are so angry they want their money back. Even the the boss of the company also replied to to their comments as well, saying that look, I know it's not not what you a lot of people are unhappy with the design changes, and he said he's willing to offer a refund, uh, even though uh, another. Another backer on the site, apparently reading the fine print of Kickstarter, mm. said that uh, refunds no are refund. actually not allowed on, on Kickstarter. So yeah. there may be a little uh, quandary there in there. And but just interesting to see that people want – they paid for what they, what they were promised. Mm. They weren't the, – and what, the, what was delivered wasn't what was promised at the beginning. And now people are angry and want their money refunded. And so, it just uh, proves- interesting one to keep an eye on there. I've, I've fully documented the whole saga at techguide.com.au. And it just proves you've got to read the fine print when you're doing these kind of uh, fun little investments, which you think are going to pay off as being a, an early adopter. But in the end, you don't quite know what you're getting until you see the final product. Now, you uh, got a story on Tech Guide about uh, Uniden releasing uh, an in-car accident camera and, and vehicle recorder. These things are absolutely all the range, and uh, Uniden have got uh, two models uh, coming out, different sizes, uh, kind of capabilities, um, pretty stunning-looking things. The, the bigger version, which is you know about 150 bucks, it's got uh, kind of dual cameras, but it's, it's a very interesting market space, and I've already had a couple of these products sent to me, and it's interesting because when you look at YouTube and the amount of amazing vision, I saw vision today of a, you know, some, you know, Russia or somewhere where there was an accident on an icy road, and a, you know, it was just horrific. A toddler was thrown out of a car and just missed being hit by a truck. Oh. All this being recorded on a dash cam. 
this is what's happening. And what happens is these things are either monitoring, you know, G G shock in the in the uh, in the car, so they actually automatically save recordings if there's an accident. But also, you can press a button on them and say, "Yes, save that recording." It's an amazing technology that is probably going to be in a lot of cars very soon. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, now there's a number of companies. Unit is the latest. I think uh, um, Navman have put one of these yep. out as well, and Laser. I think were one of the first ones that I saw. But no, Uniden have come to the party with uh, with this product. Well, when you think about though the benefits of having this kind of product in your car, oh, yeah. um, and as you mentioned, it, it can be activated by a sudden movement in the car, or it can do uh, continuous recording while yep. you're driving. Yep. Uh, but the uses for it uh, and the protection it can provide, uh, oftentimes, you know, if you're on the road a lot and you have maybe an accident or you, 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 uh, you've got evidence now with the camera to back up your claim or even defend yourself against the claim if someone's claiming yeah. that you're at fault in an accident. So it's, it's valuable evidence if you, uh, if you do uh, happen to unfortunately have an accident. But I also like the feature where it also will record while your car's parked. So if someone happens to clip you in the car park, uh, the device will activate and if the person doesn't do the right thing and leave their details, then hopefully the camera will catch their number plate as they're making their getaway. Exactly. So um, this is uh, very handy. But if you, you think about it, if you're on the road a lot, you're a cabbie, you're a, you're a courier driver, a chauffeur, whatever. If you're on the road a lot, maybe you're a sales rep, this is a, a pretty uh, a good investment, I think, to protect yourself uh, in the long term. Exactly. The Uniden iGo Cam's 300 and 800 models, uh, you know, simple, uh, straightforward front-facing camera, and the 800 is a, a dual-view two-camera unit to $79.95 and $149.95 and you can read more about them at techguide.com.au And we thank our good friends at Netgear, netgear.com.au for all your home and uh, business networking solutions. And uh, one of the key products that Netgear have out in the market is something that's really appealing to a lot of people is that uh, range extenders for your Wi-Fi. So if you've got an area of your house where there's a bit of a dead spot, uh, look for the Wi-Fi range extenders that are available from Netgear, and there's a whole range of them listed on the Netgear website, netgear.com.au, um, for, for boosting uh, the, the mobile coverage throughout your home. They've got a, a wall plug unit. There's a, there's a stand-up unit that looks more like a router. They've got a whole range of these things, which are just fantastic, and they are literally plug and play, especially if you've got another Netgear router in the home. Uh, it just extends your wireless network to the dead zones in your home easy to set up and creates a great connectivity within your home. And in these days of smartphones and tablets, that's what you need, especially if you've got kids. They don't want the Wi-Fi being bad in their area of the house. So get a Wi-Fi range extender from Netgear, netgear.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. I read the story uh, a couple of days ago that Atari in the US had filed for bankruptcy and uh, to be honest it was kind of top of mind for most of the radio spots I did this week people kind of reminiscing about the good old Atari days of Pong and the like and it's an interesting story because it's kind of not really what it's made out to be in the headlines the the company Atari has changed hands so many times over the recent even even the last 10 years it's currently owned by a big French firm and essentially the US arm is filing for bankruptcy to separate themselves from that French firm the assets like the logo, the name, some of the games, you know, could be sold off. But essentially, the company uh, wants to now start concentrating on mobile games. And that's obviously a huge growth market. And what's really funny to me about this story is immediately when I read it, I went to the, to the iTunes app store and uh, I clicked, uh, I typed Atari and I clicked it and I found some apps developed by Atari games like Pong and, and a whole suite of games in one app. And the funny thing, Stephen... When you're thinking about filing for bankruptcy, all of these apps, free. (laughs) 
Well, maybe they need to maybe Hello. tomorrow cents or a dollar ninety nine. <laughs> you know, but, um, simple. Now, Atari is well a historic historic company, one of the first gaming mm. companies that I certainly ever heard of. I think you need to be of a certain age to uh, appreciate how old and how long Atari have been around. Yeah. I can remember playing Pong. Uh, many, many years ago thinking, well, what more could you possibly want out of a game? This is just the greatest. Uh, it, for the, at the time, it was very simple, uh, yet had us, had us mesmerized. And then we moved on to Asteroids, games like that, Centipede, uh, another great title from Atari. But a little tidbit of information here, uh, Trev. Did you know that Steve Jobs used to work for Atari? Oh, I did was, not was One of his first jobs was uh, a technician at Atari. And in fact, uh, if uh, I remember reading in his biography, it was actually... Uh, part of the team that created that original Pong wow. game. So uh, there you go. He's got uh, Atari's got some pretty famous ex-employees there, including Mr. Steve Jobs. But the future of the company, who the hell knows? But uh, I'm sure the brand will exist in gaming in some way, shape, or form in the future. But as a as an organisation that exists today, gone. Vodafone uh, came out with an interesting announcement uh, a few days ago, and and it's all to do with the way they charge customers for data, especially their prepaid customers. Now, by way of explanation, companies, uh, telcos charge in data blocks, so minimum data charges uh, per megabyte in this case for prepaid customers. Hmm. Now, that means that even if you use even a few kilobytes, the minimum charge to your data allowance is going to be a megabyte. So uh, Vodafone actually got uh, took notice of a lot of customer feedback. They had a they had a uh, they surveyed more than ten thousand customers, and surprise surprise, they they weren't in favour of the per megabyte charge. Hmm. And now they've since changed it to a per kilobyte charge. Hmm. Not only across the prepaid plans, which went from one megabyte but per megabyte now down to one kilobyte. So I think the bottom line is that now you're only going to pay for the data you use, which is good news for Vodafone customers. We know how much they've struggled. Uh, this is at least one uh, box ticked for their customers to keep them as part of Vodafone anyway. And what's really interesting about this is two things. It's an education for people because, you you know, you're amazing to the world. They are charging by the meg. So it is, to me, it's not really an issue because you're getting gigabytes of data with them most of the time. But it, what's interesting here for Vodafone is they announced they were going to megabyte charging on the back of research that said it wasn't a problem. And they've had to basically backtrack on that. So it's a good story for consumers because that they have accepted what's, uh, what's been said and they've run with the, the, the best case scenario, which is to do what the other overwhelming response was but it's a backtrack for them and they you know Vodafone can't afford bad publicity right now so it was no, a smart can't. move but, uh, it, it is especially valuable for because Vodafone are big, very big with prepaid customers their prepaid deals are actually quite good hmm. uh, and when you're when you've only got 250 500 megabytes to use on a prepaid plan being slugged uh, as, as a minimum per megabyte charge really takes an effect on that plan. So now mm. that they're, they've dialed that back to a per kilobyte charge, I think their customers, prepaid especially, are going to get a lot more value out of their plans. Yep, definitely. A good move from Vodafone. If you want more information, there's plenty online, including at techguide.com.au. Now, here's a fun one. I mean, Apple obviously has tens of thousands of employees around the world, and they're always advertising for new employees. So if you if you want to work at Cupertino or at uh, Pitt Street and City, um, there's plenty of places, plenty of jobs going. But 
And every now and then the odd job comes along that's quite interesting. And I don't think it's a surprise to anyone to find out that, you know, the David Letterman's, the Jay Leno's, the, the Conan O'Brien's of the world, they have people writing their, their, their funny lines. They have people writing their little quips and one-liners here and there. So Apple have gone, hang on a minute, what we need is a bit of personality in Siri. So they've advertised for a Siri writer slash editor. Now, yeah, I think great so. idea. This is a really, this is a fun story. I like this story, Trevor. It's it's obvious that Apple obviously have got big plans for Siri. They've got something mm. special lined up. Siri was uh, for those who have never heard of Siri is the digital voice activated assistant that to, that you can talk to, you can get information, you can uh, you know look look up things, uh, use it as your planner, set diary, set messages, things like that. So, and Siri had a bit of a witty side. I'm sure you, I, I'm <laughs> someone tech guide of you know when. You say to Siri, oh, "Will you marry me?" or "Are you single?" Things like that. It's it's got a few funny comebacks, hmm. but I think Apple want to take that to the next level, and so much so that if you read closely, the job ad actually appeared in on LinkedIn, uh, and it called for a creative individual to help us evolve and enrich. Siri. So the people, <laughs> the person that they want to employ needs to have uh, some writing experience, so writing skills and demonstrated experience in writing. This is quoting their ad, by the way, character-driven dialogue. So uh, expect Siri to really come out of the box, have a wider vocabulary and a personality that's going to dazzle users. Brilliant stuff. I mean, it is right. And, and look, I still don't think Siri's had anywhere near the cut-through that Apple would want it to have. Um, I, you know, I don't use it. And, and randomly the other day, I decided to use it just to make a phone call. Uh, and it just rang the wrong person. It just annoyed me to the high hilt. And that, that kind of happens with people. Some people love it. Some people don't. I had a caller this week on Your Tech Life who loved it and uses it to read out their text messages and all this kind of stuff. So it is I a- use it. I, I do use it. I quite like it. Um, but there is a fu- – you can have a like – I've spent ages just, just asking it stupid questions mm. and seeing if it actually has a, a comeback. Like half the time it says, oh, I'll, I'll do a web search for, you know, yeah. will you marry me or whatever you're asking it. But sometimes it does have a bit of a funny comeback. Uh, I've, I've taken the actually screenshots and put, put them on my story on Tech Guide. Like I said to Siri one time, I just said it, and this is listed on my story. I said, I love you. And then Siri's response was, that's nice. Can we get back to work now? <laughs> so it does have a bit of a witty, a bit of a sense of humour. But yeah. I think now the, the, this, uh, with the, employing the writer is going to improve it. But one, one last bit of uh, – I, I caller on 2GB, uh, I mentioned this on the radio today. He said – and this is – I did not know this, that the voice – there is a voice assistant for Android called Rob. I now, did not and know that. if you, apparently, if you ask, because one of the famous questions you can ask Siri is, "How do I get rid of a dead body? Where can I get rid of a dead body?" <laughs> yeah. And it puts up a list of Places, um, yeah. quarries, reservoirs, and things like that where you can get rid of a dead body. Apparently, if you ask the Android version, which is named Rob, "How do I get rid of a dead body?" Its response is, "Ask Siri." <laughs> so, <laughs> so a little bit of a little bit of humour there That's from our gold. Android friends, sticking it back to Apple there. Very good. And well, what's most important, people, listeners. Uh, Two blokes talking tech fanatics. Um, I think we'll all agree that the most important thing to come out of this story is, that, is the revelation that Stephen really does need to get a life if he's spending his time <laughs> asking Siri questions. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.
Yes, yes, I will get a live, Trev. But anyway, let's move on. Zeus, a uh, well-known computer company, uh, made some pretty good products in the past, and that continues with a brand-new product called the VivoTab 810. Now, at first glance, this is a Windows 8 tablet. It has an 11.6-inch screen, HD resolution, uh, powered by an Intel Atom dual-core 1.8 gigahertz processor. But it is a hybrid, as I like to call it. It does come with a keyboard dock. So when you're using it in tablet mode, well, that's great. It also comes, by the way, with a Wacom stylus. You know the Wacom? They used mm. to make those, uh, yeah, yeah. those dedicated tablets, like an enlarged mouse pad that the graphic artists used to draw on. Now it actually Wacom make these these uh, high precision stylus uh, pens, uh, and that comes with one of those. It also comes with the keyboard dock. So when you're ready to uh, maybe to type out a long document or get, increase your productivity, you can actually uh, clip it back onto the keyboard dock uh, and treat it as a, and looks and feels exactly like a, a laptop, it, you know, complete with USB ports, a trackpad, and the keyboard dock even has its own battery Mm. so you can boost the performance total performance between the battery on the tablet uh, and also on the keyboard dock up to 19 hours of mobile use there's a there's a heap of these good things coming over the next 12 months i would suggest you i had a look at a a few of these at the intel booth uh had a good chat with them there at at ces and you know that's that's what there there has to be this range uh, for laptops if laptops are going to survive the tablet race so uh, especially for windows tablets though windows 8 not so much for android tablets but being Windows 8, and this, this runs a full version of Windows 8 uh, and powers it as if you were sitting in front of a laptop, a dedicated laptop and a, a computer. And the fact that it's touchscreen enabled, uh, you're going to see a lot of these Windows 8 products, uh, not only in the tablet and hybrid format like this, but also touchscreen desktops. There was heaps of those at CES as well. All right. So you can read more about that at techguide.com.au. Now, before we get to the, the all-important uh, minute review from Stephen Fennick, uh, Siri was a good story, but I think I can top that, mate. I really do. Um, I read about uh, the headline. I use a lot of different kind of news sites to, to just up, update myself on what's happening in the world. And the headline on this was something like, uh, you know, worker outsources his own job. And I thought, oh, I'm clicking on that. So the story is this. Verizon, massive company in the United States, big telco, national company. Um, you know, they have hundreds of employees and, uh, you know, programmers building uh, programs to make the network work or the website, whatever it is. And they obviously need to keep their security tight. So they've, they've brought in a security auditor who has ordered the network and found some concerning access from China. You know, and so they're going, hang on a minute, what's, what's happening here? Someone in China might be trying to access our network, and it turns out the person was getting into their network. And this is difficult because they use very detailed security tokens. So if you're an employee of Verizon and you're entitled to this network access, you get a little key ring. And for people that haven't seen these things, a little key ring that, that every 30 seconds changes a number on its screen. And to access your network, you type in the number that is on the screen at that moment. So you have to have that key ring with you to get into the network. So very concerning stuff. So what they find out is Bob, whose name is covered up for obvious reasons, Bob, who's earning $250,000 doing programming for Verizon, is one of their top programmers, best reports every month from his supervisor. Bob has outsourced his job to China and has sent his little RSA token to China. So some little dude in China is (laughs) logging on to the Verizon network doing Bob's work, which he sends to him every morning, while Bob sits back, looks at YouTube, cat videos, 
Facebook, whatever he can, reads reads the latest news, and then files a daily report for his manager and oh. goes home laughing. This is gold. You got you got to give it to and Bob, obviously not his real name, but you got to credit him for that. That's a clever plan. It is. He's a clever guy who, as you said, earns great money, outsources his work for apparently like a tenth of what he earns. Yeah. So it's peanuts to him to get someone else to do his job. So that, that is pretty resourceful, though. If you're looking for a resourceful worker, that's pretty resourceful what he did. Not not so not so intelligent though. Letting a China, Chinaman into your network, sending him a security key. Yeah, but uh, that is pretty clever. I ten points to Bob. Uh, absolutely ten points for Bob for initiative. Unfortunately, minus twenty points to Bob for the security risk that he brought uh, on the company. I like how he spends a lot of time watching cat videos. Yeah, that that, that did it for me. He's a genius. Uh, but you know, let's all just spare a thought for the the victim. Here in this crime, and that is the poor bloke in China who's no longer earning fifty grand a year from programming. So, well, does Verizon well, easy solution, mate? Bring, employ the bloke. Employ the guy from China. Bring him to the US. Get him a green card. Bob. We should start a, a campaign. Simple. Get get the green card for the Chinese Verizon worker. That's the plan. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Now, there's a very important thing we need to do here at, uh, at the end of the podcast. If you're listening for the first time, I'd like to think that, that we have some new listeners every week. And this is where Stephen spends a minute talking about the odd product. And today, we have a very, very important product. And I'm going to give you time on this, Stephen. And most importantly, I've got background news. <laughs> Start the clock, Trevor. That, that's new. I've got a well, clock. Anyway, this week's one-minute review is the Galaxy Note 2 from Samsung, a 4G smartphone that is a little bit larger than your average smartphone. I've described it as a Galaxy S3 on steroids. It looks very much similar design uh, to the Galaxy S3, but with one major difference, it's got a humongous screen, 5.5 inches, very lo- a lot of screen real estate, very big screen, but is 4G, it's uh, got terrific specs, but being called the Note 2, obviously you can write on the screen. It has got mm. an S Pen that pops out of the bottom. Uh, and many of the cool features are actually to do with the S Pen. So 4G, uh, it, it's got a great camera on board as well. But the S Pen is the real hero here. So I'm a big note taker. I write notes everywhere. I use the Galaxy Note 2 to do that. But uh, there, there, is, there is plenty of other features. One feature I like is AirView. With the S Pen, rather than you having to open up emails, open up other documents, you just hover the nib of the S Pen above the screen and it will preview an email that it's, that it's uh, above or a photo or uh, you look at the subject line of your emails. Terrific feature. Another favorite, taking advantage of that big screen, is the multi-view. So you can actually view two apps at once on the screen. So you can have maybe a browser on one side, your email on the other. I've got some pictures on Tech Guide of how I divided my screen. Uh, so that that's also makes use of the larger screen as well. Really good, excellent. It's got really good handwriting recognition too. So if you just want to write your messages instead of typing them, uh, it's got really good recognition for that. It's also got excellent swipe typing. The battery, uh, sorry, the uh, the camera, eight megapixel, excellent quality, and the battery life lasts a day and a half. The advantage of having a large device means you've got a large battery on board, and the Galaxy Note 2 battery easily went through a day and a half for me. I've been using this for the past three weeks. I've given it four and a half stars out of five on Tech Guide, eight ninety nine, or on a plan through Telstra, Optus, or Vodafone. Right. It was longer than a minute, I'll be honest. 
I'm loving the sound of this, Trevor. How are we going? really up the production values listen, of two blokes talking. Listen, to. it's 2013. We've got to take this puppy to the next level, okay? We're about to hit 100 episodes. So we've got to do some serious work here, people. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can uh, find the podcast each and every week at iTunes and at twoblokestalkingtech.com. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fenning. That's a wrap. We'll be back again next week with episode 99. No superstitions involved, mate. Uh, we can read everything you're up to at techguide.com.au. Certainly can. Thanks a lot, Trevor. And uh, I'm available at uh, yourtechlife.com and eftm.com.au. 